Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not bad at all, mate, not bad at all. I have just explained off-air, but I'll do it on-air. My voice is still a little bit all over the place, so if I veer between, like, Isaac Hayes and a 16-year-old schoolboy, don't be surprised, because it is genuinely all over the shop. Yeah, and similarly, I haven't had a drink for, like, 18 months, but yesterday I ate, see this big bag of raisins? I ate basically the whole thing, and... Turns out that eating that much fibre just before bed is a terrible idea because I've woken up incredibly dehydrated as though I've got a hangover. Literally, as I speak, my wife is bringing a cup of tea into the room to help me compensate. There she goes, having a quick wave. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have to push on though, Dave, like uh, brave little soldiers that we are. Your your big mistake there was eating raisins. They are awful. You... Dave here doesn't, well, his body doesn't like gluten. He doesn't like hot drinks. He doesn't like, no. what else is it you don't like that, that brings joy to millions? Anyway, whatever it is. The, the laughter of children. <laughs> uh, no, but you know how you make raisins, don't you? You just add evil to grapes. <laughs> there you go. Huddersfield Town have beaten Burnley in the FA Cup. I know, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, <laughs> just not the Burnley bit, just the winning in the FA Cup bit. Yeah, they've they've come from behind. It was, uh, I think, pretty even first half, and then the second half was was all Huddersfield Town. I think maybe the way to do it, Dave, because we had some some new and returning players to have a look at in this game, and I wonder if the best way to 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 approach this might be to go sort of player by player uh, and and run through the side and give our thoughts on on the players who were in action. But first of all, before we get into that, what are your thoughts on the game as a whole? I thought it was good. I, I, we both uh, fancied town before kickoff, and that's not just a run they've been on. Burnley were, were there for the taking, really, and and town did everything that was what was asked of them, really. And I think going one nil down now <laughs> seems to be what town need to get themselves going, <laughs> and it's a risky strategy. Cotton, <laughs> let's see if it plays off, but. Um, yeah, I, I, similar to you, I thought it was fairly even first half, but I thought if one team shaded it, it was probably Town, to be fair. And then second half, I thought Town were more than good enough for the win. More than oh, good enough. Yeah, I mean, I put in my piece afterwards, like, you look at that and you think, oh, you know, if you were looking at it having not watched the game, you'd see the times on the goals and be like, oh, it was a, a big, uh, big surprise shock comeback shock victory three minutes from time Matty Pearson getting the winner but actually when he got the winner it was like yeah well yeah that's been coming like because mm. you know Nick Belokopic came on after 40 minutes I don't think he had a single save to make during his whole time on on the pitch they had one that they put over the bar and other than that I don't think he's he's made a single save which is you know I know that, that Burnley have had a, a lot of problems this season in general. They're remarkably, despite having played fewer games than, than everyone around them and won just one game all season, not bottom of the Premier League, which sort of tells you a little <laughs> something about the shape of the Premier League this year. But, you know, that they also had quite a strong side out. They're still a Premier League side. They've been a Premier League side for a long time. And the side they had out, yes, it's evident from the state of the bench that that is literally just all the players they had available. Uh, they didn't even fill the bench. And uh, the rest was kids. But it was still, you know, a lot of very recognisable names in there. Some England internationals as well. Um, and and Tam were, were the better side. I think, uh, you know, whatever cavalry actually put around Burnley, I think you have to, to praise Huddersfield Town for, you know, not just getting that win, but but doing it from behind. Yeah, I, I <laughs> steady. Uh, yeah, to be fair, I think you look at the Burnley side and it suddenly looks like a championship side in waiting. But they are they are Premier League as it stands. And James Tarkowski, Ben Mee, Nick Pope in goal, Matty Loughton. Um, he I, had an I think awful mid- game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're... Uh, I think their midfield is is not great, but mm. you know Jay Rodriguez and Chris Wood, yeah, proven two very Premier competent, strikers. proven strikers. So it was it was a huge it was a huge talent, challenge really, and yeah, they, like their bench wasn't great. It really showed the dearth of their squad options. The flip side being that you looked at Towns bench and Towns bench looked like really strong. 
like mm. properly game-changingly strong as it proved. But yeah, I think probably that you you're right. Probably the best thing to do is go through player by player, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So we'll start in goal and and get it out of the way because Ryan Schofield came in. Lee Nichols was absent uh, with a stomach bug. But Carlos Corbran explained that the Ryan Schofield would have started anyway. Nichols would have been on the bench uh, for for the cup game and. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think we we sometimes we we try well all the time we try not to let our own biases come into things. But I find it quite difficult to talk about Ryan Schofield in an objective way sometimes because I think it's been evident for sort of nine ten months now that he's desperately low on confidence. I've always maintained I think there's a decent keeper in there, but he's not great on crosses. And you can see that he knows he's not great on dealing with those balls into the box. And it's really rattled his confidence over the past year or so. Because remember that, that he came into the side before, well before Ben Hamer left last season. And he had a run of games where he was absolutely fine. He had no problems with Ryan Schofield. You know, bar the odd sort of hiccup here and there that you'd expect from a young keeper coming through. And then there's a certain point where he sort of hit a, a brick wall, Schofield, and his confidence has just been gone and you know we said when the lineup came out it's a big day for Ryan Schofield and I think unfortunately away to Burnley as as nice as it is to go right it's the FA Cup you're going to get a chance I think away to Burnley is almost the nightmare fixture for a player who's you know struggled in the areas that Ryan Schofield has struggled in and he he struggled in in this game as you might expect against a very robust Burnley side unfortunately yeah he did and I, I'm with you. The thing is, I think Ryan Schofield. I think when you when you dig into his stats and when when you look at him objectively, he does a lot of the basics very very well. So he's got quite a good starting set of skills. But the problem is, like you say, you have to layer that on with confidence. One of the reasons Lee Nichols sort of overcomes the slightly weaker areas of his game is because he's so proactive and he's so confident he will you know he will come for crosses and he will take everything in front of him to to get there and the injury I thought was slightly symptomatic of that lack of confidence because if if you come with sort of positivity and properly commit to that I don't think you get injured in the same way is the thing and that hesitancy has has cost him i don't i think we should talk about the goal because i saw a lot of people on social media saying that he was culpable for the goal i, I don't get that at all because he has to expect sar to cut that out yeah, i think exactly yeah i i don't like i don't know maybe some keepers would have been you know straight out the, off their line anticipating but uh, yeah i i I struggle to sort of blame him to the degree. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it was perfect goalkeeping by any stretch, but I don't think it was his fault. I think I think no, not okay. cutting that ball out puts him in a horrendous situation. Yeah. And it it's had a couple of moments before the goal that were less than convincing it. I mean, it 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 come for um come for a ball that was sort of a, a ball over the top high ball into the box and Tom Lee's had it covered all the way there was no need for him to come for it at all but mm. again it's it's sort of that trying too hard thing trying to impose himself a bit too much and he came and actually cleared Tom Lee's out uh and and he could have could have quite seriously hurt him so yeah i mean when i say i find it difficult to be objective on him what i mean is I really, I desperately, I don't think there's a player in that squad that I want desperately want to see doing well more than Ryan Schofield because I think he's had a bit of a, a nightmare sort of last sort of ten months or so, something like that. And to be honest, I think some of the abuse he gets online and from the stands is is pretty disgusting. To be honest, because this is a young player who's come through the academy, uh, and you can see that the issue is confidence. You know, I, I think it's there's an argument to be had when a player is is like, you know, if a player is just not good enough or not performing, whether whether the sort of level of abuse he gets from some people is acceptable. But I think especially when confidence is the issue, I just think it's. I think it's a bit out of order for people to be so just nasty. You know, like we'll talk about Belokovic in a minute, but you know, he he came came on, didn't really have a save to make, and you've got people on social media replying to the town account yeah. going, "Oh well, you know, he's miles better than Schofield." It's like, can't you just praise someone without having a go at poor lad who's who's clearly struggling? I, I'm not sure what. I mean, we said for a while that we thought Schofield probably needs a loan out 
to to go and just be out the spotlight, not have the fans on his back. And you know, it's not every fan. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm. I think a lot of fans probably feel sort of similarly to me because he's he's a great lad. But um, I think he needs to go somewhere, even if it was national league, and just go and and be out of the town spotlight, have a fresh start and different set of fans and build his confidence up that way. Mm. He, he needs 90 minutes somewhere where he goes and collects every cross and every throw out goes straight to one of his men. And that alone would go a long way to, to helping him, I think. And yeah, I, I we've both seen him play for the B team as well. And he is, mm. He's been even in B well. team football, yeah. he is, you, you can see... There, there is an issue there. So yeah, I, it's. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Ben Hamer, yeah. who what brought Ben Hamer around and what got him playing again was the behind closed doors games. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he he had a real issue playing in front of fans towards the end, and yeah, I, I think there has to be some form of surgery required there. If I'm honest, and I, the thing is about. Uh, how do you say his name? Because I always thought it was Bilokopec. Uh It's uh, Bilokopic. So it's Bilokopic, I, I right. think a lot of people say Bilokopic, but I'm told it's Bilokopic. Um, Bilokopic, so, right? Yeah. yeah, you'll have to remind me of that because I've <laughs> been calling Bilokopec all this time. So, um, but I, I'm with you. You know, like he came on for he came on just before half time and he did everything okay. Yeah, but like it, it wasn't like he was. <laughs> You know, throwing himself at at chance after chance and making save after save. Like you say, he didn't really have anything to do. So, I mean, I certainly haven't formed any judgment on him (laughs) because I, I, you know, I don't think you can from that game. So we've both seen him play for the B team, though. He looks very assured. He looks very promising. You know, I think he's he's uh, he's uber. See, he's the opposite. He is uber confident. He is almost. To be frank, he's almost a little bit the other way. Mm. I, I noticed that when, when I've watched him play for the B team, his mannerisms are very, very similar to Lee Nichols. Like when the ball comes to him, he's like he's even before it sort of gets to his feet, he's telling the defenders where he wants them to go, and you know, doing the you know the big point out to the side, the sort of the T shape that that you always see Lee Nichols doing and things like that. So, um, no, great moment for him, obviously, to come on and make his senior debut. You know, he's been been away from his family in Australia; he's not been able to go back and see them. They've not been able to come over and see him for like 18 months since the pandemic started which you know I think is you know a lot of people not seeing their families but I think when they're on the other side of the world it's Mm. especially tough particularly when you're that age so delighted for him to get that moment go on he's also um, (laughs) I was talking to somebody at town a while ago he's some of the opportunities he's had in B team games uh, have been the ones that have been at the town ground so what what's ironic there are they are the ones that they're not allowed to show on YouTube. Mm. So his family haven't been able to watch him in the sort uh-huh. of slightly higher profile games as well. So which is a real shame for him. There you go. So no good good moment for him. And genuinely, when I did a piece sort of last month about players who will be hoping, you know, who have a maybe a chance of going to the World Cup in in the winter, and he's weirdly one of them because when you look mm. at who the backup options to Matty Ryan are, you know, if if Blokovic gets even half a dozen games i think he's he's in with a shout so yeah want to, want to keep an eye on one for the future uh the defense right well matty pearson got the goal obviously so um yeah i thought he had a really good game i didn't didn't notice him really put a, a foot wrong um and as a former Accrington player, he even gave a little bit of, of stick to the Burnley fans after the game, which was lovely to see. Yeah, it it was just a very Matty Pearson performance for me. Just, you know, like, never really does anything majorly wrong. It's all about sort of safety first, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in that mix of a back three. And the goal was a good goal, and hopefully he's refound his scoring touch because after his little run early season he's he's actually on the quiet he's missed a few chances you know mm. he's had a he's had a couple of chances from set pieces so hopefully that gets him going again but uh, yeah I just thought it was a very a very Matty Pearson performance all in and that if you don't know what Steve's referring to he described the Burnley support as absolutely terrible <laughs> after the game which was lovely stuff yeah yeah it gave, gave him a bit of stick no to be fair the town fans 
the question was the town fans were great and he said they were and he yeah. said you know they, than, they were as well yeah. better than their lot they were awful he said but um no they they to be fair the town fan i think there's been a few games this season where town fans have been a bit quiet but they were brilliant against burnley like start to finish they were excellent so that, that was great to see and yeah uh weirdly both goal scorers it's their first goal since uh blackpool away Caroma and, and Pearson so yeah he's, and, and I think he had a bit of a hard time convincing the, the his teammates that he'd actually scored it I, I don't know if anyone if it came across on the highlights but everyone went running across to Sorba Thomas as though it had gone straight in which I watching the replays I cannot understand how anyone thought that could possibly be the case because it, it wasn't curling in by any means but uh, Pearson had to was was sort of standing on his own pointing at himself going no it was that's my goal what are you on about so no that was good and Tom Lee's uh yeah picked up that 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 blow from Schofield uh in the in the first half he, he ended up playing Rodriguez on side you know I think we said Sarge should have cut it out but but it was Lee's playing him on side but I think we'll sort of give him a bit of a, a bit of forgiveness on that given he just you know, had a big keeper just sort of clatter into his into his back, and yeah, it was uh, but, good but to also, see him get back up. But also, he gets the same leeway, I think, on the goal that Schofield does, yeah. in that he's not he's not expecting to have to react there because it it should be cut out, really. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I thought a decent game, and so well, you know, I think first half was was a bit unconvincing, particularly on that goal, and I was considering giving him a, a pretty low mark, and then I thought second half he actually had some really good moments. He stepped in. in into into midfield well now and then and just after Sorba Thomas came on he played a lovely crossfield ball that Sorba then volleyed across the face of goal and if anyone on the pitch including Tan his his teammates had been expecting him to volley that cross straight across the face of goal then I think it would have been a tap in but unfortunately no one no one could possibly have read that that was was what he was going to do but yeah I think you and I both, neither of us like Naby on the left of the back three, though, do we? And um, I think Colwell is, is clearly the first choice there. He is, and I think Naby's contract's up in the summer, and I think there's a decision to be made there because I don't think it's one you... I don't. I mean, we'll get into it towards the back end of the season, but I think if you look at the season, you know, Romani Edmonds Green is having, if you look mm. at the season Romney Critchlow's having, I think that you have to make a decision really on all three of them as to what you want to do with them longer term and I don't Nabisar is really good at certain things mm. and he's not very good at other things and yesterday was just another example of how in 90 minutes you can basically get <laughs> every, every colour in the rainbow from him and I think I, it's impossible to shift Tom Lees from the middle, but I do wonder sometimes when they do have an absentee, is it worth you know shifting Lees left or right or wherever yeah, that absentee absolutely. is so you can get Saar into the middle? Because I do think the middle suits him where he can commit a little bit more, but he's got more cover. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that I think the honest answer is we basically know everything there is to know about Nabi Zara at this point and exactly what to expect. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think when like when Pearson's been out, he's put Sarah in the middle and put Lee's right, but he won't go the other way if Colwell's out. Um, which I don't know. I'm sure Carlos has his reasons. I'm not sure I agree with that one to be honest. But but hey, there we go. Um, and at right wing back Pippa making his first start. Good to see him. He obviously came on against Nottingham Forest, but uh, this is his first start back. And I think a, a nice solid performance. The thing that sort of caught my eye though with him is is I'd forgotten, <laughs> almost, almost forgotten how quick he is and how willing to track back he is. Which you know you always think about what Pippa does in attack and and you know him sort of dribbling up the wing or coming inside to number ten, and you almost forget about what he offers defensively. But there are a couple of times where Burnley tried. To to break from a town set piece and he was you know on the man all the way every step of the way getting back and it's like oh yeah he does do that <laughs> um he's really good at that but i mean it's an interesting one isn't it because i think you see the impact that sober thomas made when he came on and and took over at right wing back he got two assists in 20 minutes and we'll talk about him a bit later but i mean there's a real wealth of options at right wing back with thomas and pippa and Rowe and and turton now and yeah, it's hard to hard to see how you're going to fit them all into the same side if you're playing as wing backs. Just do what Gareth Southgate does and just play them all in various <laughs> positions. I think, I, I, like, I, it was good to see Pippa back in the town shirt, and I, you know, similar to you, 
it's it's what he offers you defensively that sort of that's where I think what decides the future really because I, I think there's games where you want Thomas's raiding up front and I think there's games where you want a little bit more defensive solidity yeah it, it's going to be a bit of a battle that one I think if I'm mm. honest because Pippa at his best is undroppable and Thomas at his best is undroppable so it, it, yeah it's an interesting situation that one we have talked about it and I think we've both written about it as well that possibly Pippa coming in might see them change the shape a bit and go into something more like a 4-3-3 for some games and have Thomas higher and, and Pippa playing as a sort of conventional fullback um, but yeah it was it was good to see him and it was good to see that he's not you know a million miles off he's not had months and months off and it's quite clear he's going to need like six weeks to get back up to speed you from from that sort of hour or so yesterday you'd think like two two or three more games and he's probably going to be like mm. somewhere near what the, the pipper we're used to interestingly yeah they've taken it they've taken it sort of nice and easy with him i think because the initial prognosis after he had the surgery was three months and you know it's it's taken and it ended up being more like uh, four and a half that that he was out before he was included in a squad. So I think they've they've sort of learnt from last season, or maybe not learnt from last season. I think they had to play him last season. You know, he picked up. They've acknowledged that he was he picked up that injury in the second half of last season. But I think we talked about it before. When you look at the shape of the squad last season, I think they had to play him because they didn't have loads of other options. You know, it was him or Jaden Brown. And when you're in a relegation fight, they had to go with Pippa. But yeah, good to see him back and. In midfield, speaking of returns, Jonathan Hogg back in the side. No sub appearances or B team games for him. Just straight back in, wearing the armband, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, just sort of a, a steady away performance from from Hoggy. Yeah, it like Burnley away is a game mm. that is sort of ripe for Hoggy because he's not going to have runners charging past him every five minutes and. It was a good game for him to come back into. Like Dale Stevens, bless him, is is not he's not running the show. Put it that way. Um, much as I love him, but yeah, again, just a very sort of neat and tidy hour, wasn't it? It was. It was. It, we're going to talk about midfield a bit when we talk about the next man, and we've got to talk about Josh Ruffles as well. But it's quite clear what Town's priority to in midfield is and that's yeah. Hogan O'Brien yeah. and that's not changing any time soon so it, it's good to talk about a Russell as we will do in a minute and there's Scott High in the mix and a lot of people are quite hopeful or, or dreaming that they're going to bring in a midfielder but even if they do again it, it's quite clear the starting two is, is Hogan O'Brien isn't it? Yeah I think if they were I think maybe I didn't make clear enough last week that you know if they were to bring in another midfielder I think it would be to play in that role that Holmes and Sonani have been playing rather than to replace Hogger yeah. O'Brien in the in the middle um yeah I mean he's obviously we know what a big fan of Jonathan Hogg Carlos Corbran is because he's he's he'll only give sort of very fulsome praise to certain players and I think part of that is just sort of he's he's doing that classic uh football manager thing where you're managing players confidence and you know I think he's quite keen for young players in particular not to get complacent so he'll he'll tend not to give them a huge amount of praise he's always very on message and you know stay focused don't lose your you know don't lose your focus you need to keep doing what you're doing but with Jonathan Hogg he's obviously you know he knows that he doesn't need to worry about that and we know how much he he loves Jonathan Hogg and I think he's an automatic if he's fit he's an automatic start for core brand any day of the week Mm -hmm. alongside him John Russell who you and I I think (laughs) uh, Scott High has been quite divisive I think it's fair to say and you and I are both I think pro high guys Uh, but I think there's some fans who who struggle to understand the role he plays and I think for those fans what they want is John Russell you know he is almost the antithesis of Scott High and I can see this you know if it weren't for the fact that it was clearly Hogg Hogg and O'Brien in that midfield too I think you'd end up with a big schism in the fans as to whether it should be High or Russell I thought he did fine I don't think he, he he was a bit sloppy at times he also had good moments there were a couple of nice balls he put over the top one for Caroma in particular and he obviously hit the post just before half time uh, but for me he's a particular tool for a particular job at this moment would you agree yeah I th- I think he's not the quickest it would be fair to say he's got a, he's got a good touch but 
yeah, he's very. What you get with Scott High is somebody who takes the ball quickly and releases it quickly. That's that's what he's all about. He's Scott High. I've rarely seen a young footballer play with his head up quite as much, mm. and that's that's a really good uh, sort of a really positive place to start from. And like me and you aren't like massive Scott High fans. We're not walking around with Scott High shirts and Scott High tattoos. But what we do see well, is maybe a young man day. who. <laughs> what we do see is a young man who's got like bags of potential and he plays in it, it's quite clear that he's played a lot of football at a club that has also got Lewis O'Brien on the books because he's very sort of proactive in in the same ways Russell is very different he's more he's more of an old-fashioned central midfielder when he's playing there mm. the, the key thing to note is for the B team he's not been playing there either mm. that's not been the role he's in it been in so I'm not too sure whether he is a central midfielder or whether he is a sort of Fellaini type forward player to that, cause chaos, or that, whether you know they can play him as slightly more solid either side of a three. I, I'm still basically undecided as to what type of footballer he is. It was interesting, and I was obviously paying quite close attention to the shape when they first kicked off. And he was playing sort of 10, 15 yards ahead of Jonathan Hogg when they were in possession. So that the shape that they had was, uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sure how you'd even describe it. I suppose it was almost a 4-3-3 in possession where you had Chrome would go off to, would stay on the left. Rhodes was up front. Pippa effectively became a winger. And you had uh, Sonani and Russell just behind that front three and Hogg sort of holding. So it was uh, it was interesting to see they almost played sort of, yeah, he, he played in such an advanced role. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to say that you're exactly right. I think that's how they see him is, is that Fellaini, Suchek type goal scoring central midfielder at some point. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of development for him to do in his game to get there. Uh, when you look at his goal record at youth level and, and Accrington, he, he's not scored a load of goals. So I think there's there's work to do on that. But, you know, he almost got a goal here. And, I, I you know, either way, however much we, you know, I, I almost regret now immediately having said it, positioning it as high versus Russell because, you know, they are different players for different jobs and I think uh, should be judged on their own merits. And I thought, you know, for his first start for Huddersfield Town, he, he he did reasonably reasonably well and you know he's a player who I think whether we agree or disagree I think seeing fans getting excited about a player who's come in and made his first start is only ever a good thing isn't it it is it is and like a, a sort of five or six out of ten on your your first performance in the first team is fine isn't it yeah absolutely fine and the the only caveat I would make and I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to be down on it or anything like that, but it, it's the same caveat I made for Hogg, really. Coming in against the midfield two of Stevens and Westwood, that, without meaning to be rude about either player, that's a championship central midfield. Yeah. So it was, it, was a good, it was a good game for Hogg and Russell to come in for varying, various reasons. It's just... His pace does slightly worry me because I think if you played him in a two or even play him in a three against a couple of pacey central midfielders I do slightly worry about that and slightly worry about him on the turn but you know these are longer term problems they're not really problems to sort of go in depth and analyze after a you know a very yeah. solid very solid 90 minutes really which is what it was but I want it I'm quite keen to talk about Ruffles yeah I'd go like for your it. opinion on him I I've really liked that signing since he came in the door. I think of all the summer signings when we were sort of going through the analytics and looking at doing our scouting that we always do and going through the stats. Out of all the summer signings, because you know it's hard to sort of judge keepers and, and centre backs in particular, but I think you can do a bit more with a with a full back or a forward forward looking player. And out of all the signings they made, he was the one I was like, oh, he's quite an interesting and exciting player. You know, his his numbers were really good. Uh, in terms of his crossing he actually scores quite a few goals he actually scores quite a lot of headers which I think is probably indicative of his his history as a central midfielder rather than as a left back the Oxford fans would say that defensively he can be turned you can get him behind him but again I thought he had a a pretty decent game here Carlos Gorbran again I said I mentioned that we he never really singles anyone out for praise but he went out of his way to mention that he he was pleased with what he saw from Ruffles and he thinks he's a very interesting player. The issue we've got, as I wrote in the power rankings, is that being Town's second choice left back is almost like being their second choice goalkeeper when Harry Toffolo's playing there because he's he's always fit, he's always available and I think 
he's clearly the first choice. What did you make to him? I, I really like him. You know, I just think he's a really neat and tidy footballer. Mm. And I, I think you're exactly right. You know, like, am I going to lobby for Harry Toffolo to have a break and ruffle? So no, not, not a chance. But I, I just, he does feel like a footballer that in the second half of the season they could use a bit more. Because the other thing is he's quite versatile. He can, I, I think there's a world where you could play Toffolo and ruffles together in some games. I think he could do a job for half an hour rather than three minutes at the end of certain Mm. games as well if I'm honest I just I I look at the town squad and I think he is one of the ones that you look at and you think has probably been underutilized and I'd like to see a little bit more of him second half of the season if I'm honest it's it's like there have been times since we started doing this podcast together where we've been scratching around when talking about the town squad and talking about the obvious holes in it. But you look at their wide options now, you've discussed the right-back ones, but also having Rowe on that left-hand side who can cover Ruffles and Toffolo. You know, like, town's wide options, without sort of being hyperbolic, are are as good as anybody in the championship at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't say that for every option everywhere else on the pitch, but they really have got some proper game-changing options uh, yeah. Either side now, and I think I think Ruffles. To be fair, I, I I think he'll he'll second half of the season. I hope to see a bit more of him, and I think he can can comfortably get up to the same level of a you know a, certainly be one of the better second choice left backs. Put it that way in the division. Yeah, I think he was a bit. He was one of the players who had COVID uh, over that that sort of opening. And weekend. I think he was quite. And, yeah, I think exactly. he was quite affected. By yeah, it as well, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's affected by it in different ways, and I, th- I from what I gather, I think he had it maybe a bit worse than most of the players who had it. Then it's a shame as well because obviously Toffolo was out, and he would have you know if he hadn't had it himself, he, he surely would have played there, but probably worked out for the best because it ended up being Sorba Thomas who filled in so uh, yeah but no I, I agree I'd like to see more of him I think it's in a way almost um, a bit inconvenient for him though that Town are doing quite well at the moment I think for us to see a lot more of him and you could say this about a few squad players likes of, of Russell or uh, you know younger players as well that you might expecting more of them if town were just sort of comfortable mid-table and then from March they've got really nothing to play for and you can start looking at options for, for next season maybe and trying different players but I think if town are doing well I think there's you know likes of Ruffles and Russell are going to find it harder to get a look in but he's definitely an interesting option and I thought it was I thought it was interesting that Carlos out of all the players you know out there sort of singled out ruffles when i asked him about the you know the squad you know the the different players he'd tried so yeah uh sunani as well put in that cross for russell with the header again i think a sort of a a steady away performance i think we're starting to see a bit more consistency out of sunani not from one moment to the next but certainly from one game to the next i think to begin with, he was very either an eight or a four, and I think we've started to see a few more sort of fives and sixes popping in there, which is which is positive. I think he's working sort of harder and harder off the ball and getting more and more to grips with playing regular championship football, which is good to see. But I think, yeah, he's 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 doing all right without being spectacular at the moment. I think Sonani. Yeah, I I didn't actually think he was great, if I'm honest. I, I I think he was. I wouldn't go so far as to say he was a weak link or anything like that. But I I think he was one of the one of the poorer players on the pitch yesterday, if I'm honest. But he still did what Sonani does, which is he still managed to come up with a couple of moments yeah. of of you know real quality. That's the frustration with him, really, because you know um, mm. you know what he's capable of, what he has got in the locker as they say um and i think that i i don't know about snarly i'm still i'll be brutally honest with you i still don't really know what to make of him because when he arrived the first couple of games he was just this sort of like uncontrollable shot machine who was just popping up in every position across the front three and just an absolute live wire he's calmed down a lot and I think that's improved his game, but I think it's also taken a couple of elements out of his game as well. And I'd, mm. I'd like to see him get back to marrying a little bit of the chaos with the order, if I'm honest. Because um, as you said, he's I I feel like he's a player who needs those 
eight out of tens every so often to just keep his confidence high because some games you can sort of he's one of them players that some games 10 minutes in you know exactly what performance you're going to get from him is the issue um and he needs to just just get on top of that i'd say yeah i I think that sort of as i say the big improvement from him has been his work off the ball i think he's you know you can see he's working a lot harder he's tracking back a lot more than he was at the beginning but yeah i mean Dwayne Dwayne holmes let's mention him before we get to the substitutes while we're on the topic came on and and did what Dwayne Holmes does you know he he came on and won the ball in central midfield to to help create that goal the first goal um and another bright performance from him yeah it like categorically his best spell since coming back to the club this and he's you can see in his body language as well can't you he just looks like he's buzzing at the moment and long yeah. may that continue yeah really enjoying himself he had a you know he had we talked talked earlier about people getting sticks from the stands and he was one of the players who was getting a bit of stick earlier this season but you know he's he's come up with the goods in some really important moments you know I think obviously Sorba Thomas is going to get the praise for that um for these two assists and rightly so but you know Carlos went out of his way to say well yeah it was a good impact from Sorba Thomas but I think all the subs we brought on had an impact and he mentioned the fact that Holmes had won the ball and then played played Sorba in on the way to that that equaliser so yeah I think uh you know I wrote recently that I think Dwayne's quite a, a unique player in that he can and to be fair this is a criticism we had when Dwayne Holmes first came back to the club was they keep changing his position he's not getting a run yep. anywhere in particular actually I think <laughs> we have to to say we were wrong and Carlos was right because I think that's a considerable advantage in Dwayne Holmes games now I think he's got used to being moved around and having to play different roles and and Carlos has used him in a variety of different positions and he's started to play well in all of them at this point yeah that's exactly it I I'm still I still don't think it's a coincidence that he's in his best spell of form and that's because he's been playing consistently on the left of that front three or popping up on the right of that front three so he knows what his role is more um I think his versatility was killing him for a long time but yeah he's he just he's a very likable footballer as well Dwayne Holmes isn't he it's very yeah, you good know lad. just the the way he plays the way he talks the the way he interacts with his teammates as well you can see he's a like a popular member of that squad so yeah wears yeah, his heart on his sleeve doesn't he Dwayne I think yeah yeah. And, and for better yeah. or for worse, yeah. There's no, there's nothing wrong with an emotional footballer at all. You know, no. absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. So, yeah, I, I I'm sort of pleased he's in this run of form, really. But you know, speaking of which, we should probably cover Josh Caroma, who absolutely. I thought was somewhere. He looked like Josh Caroma again for not not for the entire game. I thought he grew into the game quite a lot. I thought he he started slowly, but it was really good to see him doing Josh Caroma things again. Yeah, absolutely. The thing it reminded me was of was Sorba Thomas against Coventry, where not everything he did came off, but you could see that was the game from Sorba Thomas that then precipitated. He had. you know, it's his little mini revival that he's in at the moment because not everything he did came off, but you could see that he was just working that extra bit harder, that 5% harder. He was really, really determined, really aggressive, trying to be on the front foot, trying to... It looked, he looked like a player who was... Um, you could see he was trying to play with confidence and through trying to play with confidence and sort of, you know, making a conscious effort to to have that aggression and that determination actually manifested that into real confidence and real uh, output. And it was a tapping for him, but he got himself in a, in a good position there. And I thought he had a, a really, really, really good promising game. And you and I have said for ages, if Josh Groma gets that first goal, he can relax a bit more into games and be more of his old self. And, and that aggression will come a bit more naturally, that ability to sort of drive towards goal and make make things out of nothing will come back to him and hopefully that'll be the case now yeah i we we were at barnsley and a lot of a lot of fans reaction to josh Graham's performance at barnsley was at least he was trying to make something happen whereas i think me and your reaction to his performance was why does he keep trying to do the same things when they're not working time mm. and time again um i think what was interesting really about this performance is he was just it was going back to basics really and just doing the things he knows that he does well and not just sort of trying and trying and trying it was more of a sort of composed simple yeah. performance and like the the goals are tapping but he it's about positioning isn't it and it's yeah. about sensing the opportunity and it's about making the run at the right time a tapping is just not 
getting your foot on the end of the ball. It's mm. there are a series of things that goes into it, and yeah, it would be no surprise if he goes on a little run now because he's yeah. quite a streaky footballer, as we know. And we, you know, you can only hope that that's the starting point. Yeah, hopefully so. I, I think he's. We've, we've said for a long time, you know, he's not in great form, but he probably out of all of the the players in that squad is the one that you stick by when he's having a a, a poor run because you know that that the rewards you know if you do get the rewards out of him then it's going to be you know special things can happen out of him and I think he's as well a player who sort of needs that that run of minutes in in his legs and needs those consistent minutes um to sort of his keep his his physical side of his game up because I think that isn't necessarily something that that comes naturally to him as as much as it would to say a Lewis O'Brien or a a Sorba Thomas or a a Harry Toffolo I think Groma has to sort of work a bit harder to to get his body to that level but he's uh, yeah good to see a a good performance out of him yeah definitely long may it continue and Jordan Rhodes obviously played centre forward he didn't get any service did he I mean there's not much we can really say about him for this game in particular the the one thing I'd say about Burnley is like James Tarkowski and Ben Mee are two very competent, very, very good yeah. central defenders. So, it, 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 like, that was their one area of strength, really, in the side. So, yeah, it was it was a tough role. But what I've, like, I'm not clutching at straws, I promise you, but I was just quite pleased to see him just keep going because yeah. he's another one who's had a long layoff. He's had a funny start to life with town. He's working his way back in. He looked at the end of that Forest game, probably, you know, completely understandably, he looked like he was blowing out his bum a little bit. It was good to see him put in another 70 minutes here where he looked, you know, decent, looked sharp, never stopped. And Danny Ward is obviously the starting striker. You know, there's yeah. no point. that That's not even up for debate at this point. But the, the more minutes they can get into Rhodes, and he's another one who you just feel like when he gets that first goal it's going to be such a massive weight off his shoulders that he can he can go on from then yeah I mean he's got the incentive of he's not a million miles off 100 goals for town I think I'm right in saying he would he would join that sort of that that small band of players who have who have got there he's on 87 by the looks of things in all competitions so um, well he's, he's also after the record for the champ overall isn't he is he because really? he's only he's only I think 20 odd off uh Oh, I forget who's top. I forget who's top. I think he's third in the list, but mm. second is very catchable, and first is I think there's about fifteen, twenty goals. So you know he's still got half a season here and another full season as a minimum next year to to try and go after that. So yeah, there's plenty of incentive really. There you go. It's uh, Billy Sharp and David Nugent are, are up at the top. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. And I think he is a player who, the way Carlos talks about him, I think Carlos quite likes him as a player. I think he's interested in in seeing what he can do. And, you know, we talked, I think, last week about whether there's a possibility to play him in a two with Danny Ward, which we'll, we'll not repeat again if we did that last week. But, uh, no, I think he's, you know, I can't really say anything about him on this game, in truth. But, uh, you know, I think it was all about getting the minutes in his legs more than anything else, in, 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 in all honesty, for this game. So we'll see if he can make an impact later on in the season. And then the substitutes. Sorry, I'll, I'll put an edit point in there. And then the substitutes we've not talked about. You know, well, we'll go with Danny Ward, I think, because he came on, looked bright immediately, was was doing things that 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 Rhodes wasn't doing, but that you know that Rhodes isn't going to do. He's much more involved in in the link up. He was uh, much more aerially capable. I thought when he came on, he gave Town a bit of a, a target to to aim at and. We've sung Danny Ward's praises an awful lot on this podcast, so I guess don't dwell on him. But as you say, I think he's clearly the first choice striker, isn't he? I think there's maybe not too much more to add on him at this stage because we've talked about him a lot. Yeah, and he's earned that place. You know, there was a a spell where we probably, we couldn't say that even though we were trying to defend him. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely his by right now. It's it's good that Town can bring him and Holmes on, and O'Brien, who we haven't touched on yet, and they just come on and just do exactly the job that you want and yeah. expect from them really yeah. that level of consistency to come off the bench is just a it's a real asset that's it, yeah I hadn't really thought about that but that's right I think the the four outfielders they brought on all did exactly what you would have expected those players to do um, and yeah I think that's that's a positive for Corbrand that that you know you're gonna get that yeah you're right I think that's a good point I mean O'Brien 
once again, there's a bit of a trend at the moment where the fans keep giving him better ratings than than me. And you know, I love Lewis O'Brien, so that's that's quite something. I mean, am I taking him for granted at this stage? Do you think, Dave? Maybe? No, I don't think so. But I I think it's that thing about we have to be dispassionate is the wrong word because we're both you know invested at this point but we're not fans in the same way Lewis O'Brien is he's come through the academy system he's the star man of this team yeah it's no surprise that the fans really are willing to give him sort of a half an extra point on emotion alone is it really and rightly so yeah yeah exactly I mean he's clearly their best player I think if they they hold on to him throughout the January window and I think we talked about this last week I think the indications are they it's hopefully looking more likely than not that they will hold on to him but we know that things can change very quickly you know if <laughs> Leeds go and get three injuries they might come back in for him who knows you know you don't know but hopefully they'll hold but they like he's signed his contract now and the one thing yeah. I would say is that if he does go he's going to go for an amount of money that is probably slightly over the odds anyway yeah. and like whatever you think of of town, any player who they get money for that is over the odds, they have to take that. They they have to have and, to. So and they're good at I holding do, out for it as well. To be fair to them, yeah. Like, that, that we always say that's one of the big things we would praise them for in their transfer policy is they make mm. sure they get decent money for the the big name players they do sell. When you think of Billing and Grant and O'Brien, um, the way they've held out for for fees on all of them, but gut feeling from both of us is that he's still here in February so it's not worth discussing anyway hopefully hopefully and last but certainly not least Sorba Thomas uh, I mean 20, 21 minutes on the pitch two assists and most pleasingly for me I think is the fact that it was one open play assist and one set play assist and I'm sure everyone's seen the stat by now but yeah he's I mean that's his 10th and 11th assist of the season and out of everyone in the top four tiers only Trent Alexander-Arnold has as many as that so yeah I mean he's having a an incredible season we're almost bored of talking about it but we do need to sort of keep in mind what an incredible season he's having and you know to to do it against uh you know he was <laughs> he was he played 20 minutes he was my man of the match and I think I decided that after about five and yeah I just thought excellent again yeah I mean what a what an option to bring on against a tired fullback and a tired midfielder that side as well and he he pushed them back he did again he didn't do anything out of the ordinary he just did all the things we know that Sorber Thomas does really and um you look at Sorber in the season he's having and he's he's the one that you sort of think well at the moment as things stand Sorber Thomas plays well Huddersfield Town play well that's that's more than any other player in that's that team really and I think he's not at the point where he's like sort of you know undefendable or he's just on another level or anything like that he's just he's just like a bag of potential and he's he's full of confidence and yeah I think the thing with Silver is he's had his he's had his bad spell he's come back into form now there's an interesting run of games coming up for town and for Silver Thomas really so adding the open play assists is the thing that me and you have both sort of talked about I think on air and and off air and it was a really nice assist that one the weight on the cross and the ball across was absolutely lovely so yeah it was it was good to see yeah and again <laughs> long may it continue because yeah as you say he, he he's just such a game changer for them when he's when he's on form and I think if I were you know we mentioned earlier the battle for the right wing back shirt interesting by the way we haven't even talked about the tactics or Carlos Gorbrand here I think he obviously deserves some credit he changed formation again uh you know he said that he felt there were some shortcomings with the 4-4-2 against Blackburn that he wanted to see if they could do better in the the 3-4-3 and obviously they've got the results so you know you can't really say fairer than that I think you know he's he's having a, a good spell if we're talking about individuals or or what have you I think you know Carlos Corbran Town have been a bit sort of up and down under him. I think they've been more sort of, apart from that extended bad spell last year, I think you'd probably say they've been more sort of up and down in terms of, you know, they'll have a win and a defeat, win-loss, win, win win-loss kind of thing. But they're on their longest unbeaten run under Carlos Corbran. That's seven in all competitions now without defeat. They're in a very, very good moment here. And, you know, we talked last week about is there the potential that something special might be happening here and everyone's sort of trying to keep a lid on it, which I think is is correct, but you don't beat, you know, regardless of the circumstances with Burnley, you don't beat 
a Premier League side in the FA Cup uh, from behind unless you've got something about you. Yeah, precisely. Like he still, <laughs> he still deals quite a lot in extremes. It'd be fair to say mm-hmm. it's it's one thing or the other. Um, but you could see the evidence of what he's learned this year, and it should be it should be remembered they are they're still a roller coaster side. They started really well, then they were really bad let's be honest mm-hmm. um but they we spoke about it at the time but they were fortunate because they didn't really suffer for it they didn't like you know drop to sort of 18th in the table or anything like that they were still there or thereabouts and it's that sort of league this year where if it's just about staying there or thereabouts for as long as you possibly can and then trying to put your run together at the right time at the end of the season and like Coran has there is no denying this season, one of the things me and you were tearing our hair out last year in particular, was that it never felt like he was influencing a game after kickoff. It never felt he was he he was changing what needed changing. It never felt his subs were particularly effective. I, I think over the last month or so, there's no way me or you could accuse him of that no, at all. all. No, uh, he's been you know com- the complete opposite of that. We we've seen them change shape and move things and deal with issues like ten minutes into a game, not seventy minutes. So yeah, it, it's they're in a purple patch. They've, as I said, they've got an interesting run of games coming up, and Saturday feels like a big game in a packed stadium, a, a chance to to not to not make a statement in terms of promotion or anything else, but it, it's a it's a chance to show that you know the good times are back and it is going to be a bit more fun again. Mm. I just hope they take it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the fiver ticket against Swansea, you would think it's going to be a big old bumper crowd and. Yeah, as you say, you, you, the worst thing is you get in a load of sort of more casual fans or people who haven't been to a game for a while or what have you, and then and then put in a, a poor performance. You know that they they really could do with uh, you know to to keep that goodwill going and keep that growing belief go, growing could do with a, a performance at the weekend. But I think every game probably now is is a big game for Huddersfield Town, the position that they're in. Yeah. You know, almost sort of the more the longer this good run goes on, the bigger each game becomes. So that's mm. football, you know, that's when you're getting into the second half of the season. That that's that's how it works. Uh and obviously into the next round of the cup now. And I think it's the reason we've sort of gone through player by player is because it has been an opportunity for Carlos to have a look at a few different players and people were complaining about the lineup. and when I saw seven changes I was like oh he said it was going to be a competitive side and he's made seven changes but then you realise that among those changes it's bringing Pippa back in bringing Jonathan Hogg back in bringing Jordan Rhodes back in for his first start since his injury and it's like oh actually <laughs> most of these are players he would have been starting if they hadn't been injured at the start of the season so I don't think it was you know I think probably Probably Russell and Ruffles and Schofield were probably the, you know, bear in mind, Cole Will was out injured, not a serious injury. I think he should hopefully be okay for the weekend from what Carlos said. But, um, you know, it was it was all the players that you would have expected to start. So I think the next round gives them a chance to do that again. And I'm going to put an edit point in here because I'll, I'll put in, I'll, ch- I'll talk about who they've got in the yeah. cup. Um, obviously, you can't react to that, but uh, it's all right. I'll just drop the the draw in here they'll, they'll never know the difference so Barnsley at home just about the most unglamorous tie you could possibly get but you know all the more incentive to go and try and win it I suppose yeah I think they'll definitely win the cup and we need to talk about the the takeover rumors as well and obviously reports have come out on Friday to sort of add into to what was reported last month about Marcus Evans reportedly having an interest in the club. Uh, I think, as it stands, I can't really add any more than what was in that Football Insider report, which we also sort of replicated on our website. We've talked a bit about Marcus Evans' background as well. Uh, That's on the website if you want to to go and check that out. But uh, yeah, uh, the club are, are not commenting on it, basically, one way or the other. And you can you can read into that what you will um but uh yeah i mean it wouldn't be i think it's fair to say dave it wouldn't be a huge surprise given what's happening with with hill hodgkinson if they were talking to to other investors and at least considering their options yeah uh, there's not i mean anything we say at the moment is pretty much speculation but it's it's an evolving situation i would say 
mm-hmm. the same caveat applies. I'll say the thing that you can't say, which is Steve wouldn't be writing about it if he didn't think there was something in it. Um, I, I think that a lot of town fans have got suckered in by a lot of Ipswich fans who he seems to have been an owner down there that you had to have an opinion on a little bit like Phil Hodgkinson if I'm brutally honest he was either okay tried hard did an all right job just didn't work in the end or he was the worst thing since uh, you know the worst thing since sliced bread he was the sole reason they ended up getting relegated he was the sole reason why the squad was so bad he was the sole reason why everything's gone wrong there he was the sole reason why people don't holiday in Ipswich much anymore <laughs> it, like he just seems to have been it, it's the nature of his ownership that you just seem to have an opinion my personal take on it and I, I sent you a couple of messages I've had from sort of level-headed Ipswich fans who think that he did a reasonable job but he just made a couple of bad decisions really and it sort of got to the point where he didn't it, it was almost like it fe- well I think they got to the point that it feels like Burnley are at now weirdly which is where it just feels like a little bit of a sinking ship and at the moment it almost needs to sink a little bit to to start again really and to try and build up again so I I wouldn't get too pulled into the comments that he's like absolutely terrible and all this sort of thing because I don't think he was by any stretch certainly not you know if you just take the basic facts of it uh, yeah and we'll we'll see we'll see you know he's, he's like every other or he would potentially be like every other owner of every football club in the country and that they all need to have really good people yeah. around them and under them who yeah. help but, them out because that, that was the big failing yeah because running a football club is really hard <laughs> It's really, really hard for a lot of a lot of reasons. So we'll see. Evolving situation as and when it happens, we'll do something on it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and that's not to sort of let let him off the hook for for what's happened at Ipswich, but I think you're right. Like, there's he was. We talked about this last month, so I suppose we're just repeating what we said last month. But he uh, he put nearly 100 million pounds into Ipswich, but when you look at how the money was spent, it's not like they were going and spending enormous transfer fees or masses on wages they were trying to do things the right way try to be sensible try to be sustainable very similar to the way that that Huddersfield Town you know was run under Dean Hoyle but the difference is I think that I think Marcus Evans just didn't as you say he had the wrong people talking in his ear I think uh, let's be honest that athletic piece they were talking about how Paul Jewell was helping him pick his next managerial appointment and I, yeah. I was about to say no disrespect to Paul Jewell, but let's be honest, I am being very disrespectful to Paul Jewell. But, you know, I think that that you need to listen to the right people. And, you know, I think very few chairmen would go and find a David Wagner say. You know, I think you need football people who know what they're doing to identify mm-hmm. people like that. And I think the the two big failings from, from his time at Ipswich with Marcus Evans was, was not listening to, to the right people. The recruitment was really poor because he put the thing is is that although he put all that money in that is that money effectively went to the the, the day-to-day running of the club and just keeping it alive because they they had three big player sales while he was there one of them was Connor Wickham who came through the academy the other two were Aaron Cresswell and uh and Tyrone Mings in particular but that was sort of for a spell, a long spell, those were the only real transfer fees they got for any player, and otherwise everyone was going on afraid. So they were signing a load of players, whatever was happening with the recruitment. There were a load of players who they were signing and then letting go on a free and not getting any resale value out of them. So that means that any investment you do put in, it, again, just goes back to the running of the club. And yeah, I think that those are sort of the twin pillars of his failings at Ipswich. And anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes from here. You know, perhaps this will be turn out to be you know nothing's done yet and perhaps wait talking about this will turn out to be a waste of time but uh yeah i think there's there's lessons for him to, to learn there and if there were to be involvement at Huddersfield town i think you would hope that he's he's learned from them yeah i the other thing is i think it'll be interesting to see what direction that the club goes in from there because there's there's two there's two ownership models and weirdly i would say both were tried to a different extent at ipswich which is the first is where your sort of manager dictates your club Mm. so you're you know you bring a manager in and you go okay you look at like i mean it's an extreme example but you look at sort of pep guardiola at manchester city where 
they brought him in and they go, okay, we're going to shape this entire club from recruitment to structure of everything else around our manager. And they've the been side, they've been preparing for Pep's arrival for years. They yeah. they literally spent years shape. You know, they got in Bajiristan, etc., specifically to try and to build a club that would entice yeah. Guardiola to come and work for them. So, I mean, we're not linking town with Pep Guardiola. What? But who knows? But what we mean by that is, like, you, you, you go looking for sort of managers who are going to become the personality of your club, really, and you, you make the club revolve around them. The other way to do it is, like, a, a Brighton and Hove Albion, a Luton in the Championship, where you have a model of a club and you bring people into the various positions that fit the model. And this not, is what Huddersfield trying to do now. That's why they yeah, got rid of the Cowboys and got Carlos Corbran, yeah. Yeah, that you don't you don't make the model, you don't change the model just because you've changed mm. somebody in a key position. So weirdly as I said, I think he probably tried a bit of both at Ipswich and neither really worked. So I think you have to sort of commit to one or the other and go from there. But who knows as I said it it, it might not happen. It may not happen let's let's when it does happen we can talk about it in more finite terms but while it's still a maybe yeah it's difficult to talk about isn't it it is yeah yeah right brilliant stuff thanks dave for joining us and thank you for uh to your vocal cords for holding out as well i didn't notice too much squeaky voice teen out of you there uh do we have anything else to add no bye